This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, all the books listeners. I know that you are excited to hear about new books, but unfortunately, Liberty isn't feeling very well this week, so we are switching things up while she gets some much needed rest. So instead of our regular show today, you get to hear the most recent episode of First Edition, which is Book Riot's newest podcast, and it's hosted by Book Riot CEO and co-founder Jeff O'Neill. So if you don't already know about First Edition, it is the podcast that Jeff has been wanting to make for years, where he explores the wide bookish world with interviews, lists, rankings, retrospectives, reading recommendations, and so much more, featuring people who know and love books. So recent interviews include uh, authors James McBride, S.A. Cosby, and of course, uh, Liberty herself. So every month, Jeff and Rebecca actually discuss what they think will be the It Book of the Month. And October's It Book Knockout is what you'll hear today, um, which sort of feels like a nice tie-in with our show. So you're still kind of getting new releases, just not new releases of the day. Um, so sorry about that. But we hope that you enjoy it and that you subscribe to First Edition if you enjoy it. And also for the latest in new releases, make sure that you are subscribed to our new books newsletter written by Liberty Hardy. Um, and that will go out today with all the great new books coming out um, just in a, you know, printed format instead of an audio format. So our weekly new release roundup is awesome. It's also on the site. So we hope to be back to normal next week. But thank you so much for understanding. And as always, thank you so much for listening. All right, Rebecca Shinsky is back. It's October, a wonderful month for books. Today we're recording on Tuesday the 3rd, so it's the first Tuesday of the month. This will be out tomorrow, so you'll have it for all your it book hunting so you can tell people about the it books you're buying. I I don't know what people are going to do with this information. I hope they enjoy it. Um, It's a really deep month. It's so deep that I'm introducing a new segment before we get into the it book knockout round. I've got a mini knockout round. Um, okay. before we get to the main attraction, this is the amuse bush. We're going to boosh some amuses. We're going to amuse some bush. Oh, that's fraught. Okay. Um, so <laughs> let's back that one up. Friend. Yeah. Back that one up real quick. Uh, there are quite a few celebrity memoirs coming out this fall and we, I wrestled with them, especially when thinking about what we would have done with spare in the spring. We weren't doing this segment when spare came out. That celebrity memoirs are like a different... They are books. Yes, I know that. Thank you very much for correcting me, everyone. (laughs) Don't at me. But it's rare that a celebrity memoir becomes an it book. They they exist in their own, you know, parallel universe, right? Does that make sense to you, Rebecca? It does. They... 
they're not competing for the same readers I don't think or the so. same like chunk of attention that the other books in a given month are competing for. Mm-hmm. They're bringing in attention from outside. And usually that attention is people who are only going to buy the Prince Harry memoir or people who are only going to buy what yeah. I'm sure you'll mention, the Britney Spears mm-hmm. memoir. They're not trying to decide between the celebrity memoirs. The celebrity memoir is not competing with the novels they're going to read. It's either getting added on or it's the thing they're reading that month. And that's it. Yeah. I, I so, like this. I support this. So we're going to do a mini round where there's five notable ones, and we can say what the it book, what it celebrity memoir of the fall is, and then I'm going to contain the it books, the real McCoy, to its own. So I'm going to keep that for books. Celebrities get literally the rest of the internet, so they're going to have to they have to be shunted to this a sidebar here. Um, so let's get into it first. I, I also want to mention that last month I included How to Say Babylon in the September list, but it was actually in October. It comes out today. Yes. So I won't be talking about it for this episode. It is a memoir, which is what I'm bringing up here, but it's a literary one. Uh, by all accounts, it's excellent. I bought it this morning. I'm going to be listening to it next. It went quite far in our September um, mm-hmm. knockout round. So it had its day in the sun, but I did want to acknowledge that that was different there. <laughs> yeah, um, I do stand by how well that performed. In I do the too. Wrong Me knockout too. round. I read it a couple of weeks ago um, in an early copy. It is wonderful, and I cannot wait to hear about your experience with the audio. That's my only yep. regret is that I didn't wait for audio. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. So that's out now. Um, in one of these titles, so since I had an October title in September, I'm pulling a September title in the celebrity <laughs> list okay, into we'll October. I make up the rules. Get your own podcast, as I like to say. All right, here we go. We're going to try to do this pretty quickly. Um, the first up, this is in no particular order, except I put the last one last for reasons you'll see. <laughs> um, Worthy by Jada Pinkett Smith. I don't know how juicy this is going to be, but there's a world where there's some real mm-hmm. um, curtain raisers in this one. Rebecca, what do you think the the wider reading world's... Uh, interest in Jada Pinkett Smith's worthy. Yeah, I think it really depends on how, how eyebrow raising the content is and how, you know, juicy the leaks are from the book if as they come out, what the coverage mm-hmm. sounds like. She, I think, has much more exposure than I realize in my day-to-day life because she was on a daily talk show or maybe is still on a daily talk show. There are a lot of people who spend time with her every single day who are interested in what she has going on. I will be reading like whatever Vanity Fair wants to publish about this one, (laughs) but probably not reading the book itself. I wonder, I think there's a certain segment of the internet that rightly or wrongly, or the internet, the whiting reader public that is so turned off by the Will Smithness of it all. Do they want to even Mm -hmm. hear from Jada about it? Because, you know, famously, she was the motivating incident, the, the protectee. She didn't opt into that mess that happened at the Oscars, and clearly that is the one thing people will be flipping towards when they're get, when they're buying their advanced yeah. copy or the New York Times or someone else is trying to get an advanced thing. So if it has a bunch of stuff about how I felt about the slap, that will be fascinating. And if it doesn't, that will be fascinating. But I will not be reading this myself, but yeah, it's a fascinating think- document. You know, their marriage was, you know, pretty famously complicated even before that. And they had spoken openly about having their marriage be open, at least for periods of time. That is something that we don't hear. You know, there aren't many memoirs about that just in general, but especially celebrities talking about sort of unconventional choices with their relationships. That could be really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I think you're right. How much she wants to spend her life talking about something that she did not choose to have happen is uh, the real open question of, of that one. 
I'm always suspicious of people who perform how much work they've done on themselves in public. And I know if you're a celebrity, that's part of the, you got to be promoting yourself all the time. But I think that's probably pretty, I'd be wondering if the court of rightness could tell us that um, I wonder how much there's an inverse effect about how people talk about how much work they've done and how cool they are to hang around with on a daily basis, if you hear what I'm saying. I do. I do. I feel like if you've done the work, you don't need to talk about how much work you've done. But that's yeah. just me. We're going from one I probably won't be engaging with much besides a excerpt or, you know, interview in Vanity Fair, like you say, to one I definitely will be ordering um, as soon as I'm done with How to Save Babylon. It is Making It So, a memoir by Patrick Stewart. Um, mm. The Shakespearean actor, the, you know, internet, internet's great uncle, I would say, at some level, he he performs that function. And of course, for me, crucially, um, as, as Captain Jean-Luc Picard, that's where the title comes from, that's out today from Gallery Books. 480 pages, you know what, I gotta do a page count because this matters. 416 from Jada, um, 480 from Patrick Stewart. And again, I'm going to allow end cap to my life biographies, memoirs to go longer. So I will accept this from Patrick Stewart. 416 for Jada Smith at 40, I'm not so sure about, but there's a lot going on there. But I'm not going to worry too much about the length here. And for me, this enters in, I don't know, we should do a segment or something about, but the the dad books of the fall. Yes. Um, Remember, anyone can be a dad. (laughs) Anyone can be a dad, yes. But making it so by Patrick Stewart. So you want to keep that? We're going to do mini knockout. You're going to take Jada. You're going to take Jean-Luc Professor X. I'm going to keep um, Jean-Luc here okay. because of the dad bookness of it mm. all. And we are going into gift book season. That's I feel a like great this point. Has wide applicability for gift books. Yeah. And it'll be great on audio. Unbelievable. Pages is a lot of hours of Patrick Stewart's voice in your ears. And like, that's a gift. That's so much of me playing Richard II at some theater somewhere <laughs> in stories so of much. Ian McKellen. Uh You know what doesn't clock in at 480 pages? It's My Mm -hmm. Name is Barbara by one Barbara Streisand out from Viking. This is a November title. Again, we're not going to do, I'm not going to be including celebrity memoirs, generally speaking. Maybe we'll do a roundup like this, but these are the big fall ones. This is November, so not for a while. I think I DM'd you, texted you, two two notable um, uh, numbers about this. I don't know how much print runs are BS or not. They're sort of BS, (laughs) but I think they're BS of scale and scope. Mm-hmm. And I think it is meaningful. PRH generally doesn't put out print runs in Edelweiss. Right. This is a Viking title. They did put out a 1 million copy print run, which I believe for My Name is Barbara. And if there's a million copies being printed <laughs> and they Bonkers. each clock in at 992 pages, <laughs> we could be looking at... A billion pages of Streisand hitting the streets out here, Rebecca Shinsky. Truly wild. Wow. This one, this is interesting. I think more copies of Barbara will be bought, but more copies Mm. of Patrick Stewart will actually be read because 900 pages is a lot of pages. And Barbara Streisand has... I think most of her audience, most of the folks who are interested in reading her memoir are from one or like maybe one and a half generations where Patrick Stewart spans generations. It's so fascinating, isn't it? I think you're right that um, 
because of Professor X, because of movies, because of just recent work, mm-hmm. that Stuart feels like he, and he participates online. He Instagram right, he, videos. He was reading current. sonnets during COVID. Like even I yeah. saw crap like that. And even though I saw it, it really penetrated into the, the late adopters of that kind of content. On the other hand, there's no arguing that Streisand is a more, and frankly, titanic cultural figure. So I wonder about longevity. Maybe, maybe, maybe for the holiday season, Mm. more making it so's, but over the next 50 years, these are going to be on libraries. People are going to be picking this up. It's going to be a reference document for 20th century culture, movies, music, acting, producing. Um, very hard to say. So maybe not the it book of the fall for celebrity memoirs, but the it book right. of the, the decade or, or one of the monument, but <laughs> as a gift book, ones, yeah. who's going to be like, I mean, you have to be a hardcore Streisandite, Streisandian to get a thousand pages um, <sighs> of Barbara. I feel very torn here. I feel like that million print run is doing a lot of work and that I just have to say it's Barbara, but in my soul, it's Patrick Stewart. Well, we can, we can bifurcate our personal (laughs) leanings and excitement versus, you know, some kind of objectivity. So I agree with you that the Barbara has to, to move on. Um, the next one up, this is coming October 31st, Halloween, which is interesting because probably a lot of people, have dressed up as Henry Winkler's The Fonz over time. Mm. But Henry Henry Winkler's Being Henry comes out, um, yeah, October 31st from Celadon Books. An initial announced print run of 600,000. I don't have that for the Picard. Huh. 400,000 for the Jada Pinkett Smith worthy. So I don't know. Again, they may mean something, they may not. I have to say 600,000 print run, if this is even close to true for Winkler's biography, I'm pretty stunned by. I, I don't have a good sense. I'm, I was not a Happy Days guy. I wasn't... Is he Breaking Bad? What's the... Well, there was Barry. A, he Barry, had a big Barry, resurgence Barry. on Barry. Barry. And that's been mm. like, I mean, maybe broke out of being a cult classic or a cult fave into just being a fave fave in the last couple of seasons of it. Um, yeah. Oh, I mean, Barbara's probably going to knock out yeah, Henry yeah. Winkler, but... Un, unfun placement for Winkler there and how he but got put in I'm, the work stoked for Henry Winkler's late career. Like, yeah. He was great on Barry, then took some surprising turns. So Seems like that. a genuinely nice guy um, mm-hmm. and, and warm-hearted from what you can tell. Wonderful turn in Parks and Rec is uh, um, yeah. Dr. Dr. Saperstein. And, and great voice. He'll be good on audio. Good on audio. And also a, a brisk 256 pages. The Fonz knows how to make an exit, is what I've known. Mm-hmm. That, that's one mm-hmm. thing you know about the Fonz. So... Excited to see that. And then last, of course, <laughs> October 24th from Gallery Books, The Woman in Me by one Brittany Spears, clocking at 288 pages. No available print run. I have to believe we're looking at a million. We have um, to be. I know for sure this is maybe your most anticipated. I'm, I'm not kidding when I say <laughs> this might be your most anticipated reading experience of the fall. It's definitely the highest vari- variability reading experience mm. of the fall, I think. Like, if it's great, it will be great. I don't need it to be juicy. I feel very invested in Brittany getting to tell her side of the story. Um, if it's like she doesn't quite go there or if it feels like it's, you know, too heavily edited or something. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like it's not likely to land in a middle ground. It will either be like, okay, I'm not going to finish listening to this, or I will just listen to it and ignore the rest of my life for those however many, like 15 hours. It's going to be kind of toothless or a real journey. I I think you're right. The variability is extremely high here. I think I said on the show last week, the regular um, Book Riot podcast, I'm a little, again, I don't know, Britney Spears, 
you know, like many um, 17-year-olds, when Hit Me Baby One More Time came out, that was an important cultural document. Let's leave it at that. Um, I'm not sure how great she's doing. She's 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 swinging knives around on TikTok videos, Rebecca. Is that, is that uh-huh. something someone does when they're ready to be in the limelight <laughs> spilling their guts? I'm not sure. Well, I don't know. And I think... Putting this up against Bar- the Barbara Streisand memoir mm. is a really interesting question because, of course, Barbara's at the end of her life or like, you know, near the end and end of her career and can reflect on the whole thing from that perspective and was groundbreaking and I'm sure experienced versions of the kinds of challenges that Britney experienced being a woman in the yes. public eye. But what we did to women in the public eye, especially teen women in the public eye in the 90s is a whole cultural story in and of itself Hmm. that if this is good this one also becomes a document about late 20th early 21st century pop culture and media history so Hmm. i don't know i don't know it's probably barbara it's probably babs but yeah it's it's a wonderful head-to-head because there is a burned brightly but burned shorter for Britney, mm-hmm. whereas Barbara's had multi-decades, you know, Oscar. I mean, just like the the highest heights of mass artistic culture in the form of art and music and Broadway and song. And Britney is the greatest, one of, if not the greatest female pop. Well, Taylor's got some. I mean, Taylor's got and it Beyonce. in spades over her now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's up there, right? Like in the Mount Rushmore of 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 pop artists, you have to at least consider Britney, right? Mm-hmm. And that counts for something as well. Now, what does Britney mean is a completely different thing. Does the music mean anything? It's hard because it's pop. Now, she means – whereas with, with Streisand, I think some of the work is great beyond just the barberness of it all. Like it has it has a kind of different quality yes, than, yeah. you know, Those are number one pop hits, top 40 Definitely hits. like different vectors of meaning on Barbara and on Britney mm-hmm. and – what I really want is the memoir Britney Spears is going to write in her 60s when she's had like real time in adulthood to look back and process. Like I think she has done – talk about having done a lot of the work. I think she's done some work. She's had some help. She's in a better place than she was several years uh, yeah. ago. But the like getting out of the conservancy or the conservatorship, getting out of that and navigating like bumpy stuff around her marriages is still relatively – fresh and having some distance from those things and real time for the dust to settle and to understand what those things all meant in the bigger picture of her life. Like I would pre-order it today. If you were like, there's going to be a follow-up in 20 years. Yeah. It's also fascinating. And and again, putting next to Streisand is unfair to both of them in some ways, but also illuminating in some other ways, which is as a relevant artist making art, Spears' career is essentially over or it's, it's, it's it's mothballed, right? Like mm-hmm. her her relevance is not just what her career was, but whatever happened during it and the after effects of it. Where Streisand is looking back on what sixty years of cultural production, Britney's again burned very brightly, top of the mountain in a way that Streisand herself, I don't think, probably, I don't know, I wasn't around in the seventies when she's in like, you know, um, the way we were and doing that stuff, but. Streisand just has more stories of making the work. And Spears' story is this is this is me at my apex, and then look at all this other crap. And that's really been the last 20 years of Britney Spears' narrative yeah. is look at what happened to her. Um, it's just a different dynamic. Um, so I don't know. 
she's she's not going to have albums to look back, new albums to look back on when she's 60. I wouldn't imagine that would be an amazing comeback, but it's hard to imagine she's going to have the 50s, 60s, and 70s that Streisand did just from oh. cultural production. Oh, yeah. I think the cultural production is the story for Streisand and just the yeah. being of the person is the story for Britney. Yeah. Though I will say, if you're asking who to tell stories about entertainment industry, I would enjoy both of them at a dinner party having a glass oh, of yes. wine. I'm sure they have. Um, the vault of stories both of them have is elite. Mm-hmm, that's elite. Mm-hmm. That's that Swiss bank yeah. in the mountains guarded by people wearing <laughs> funny hats level stuff. Next level big secrets for sure. Yep. Okay, that's our mini. What do you think of this segment? Should I bring this back around for some other time? I like this. I think we should keep this model for like any time we have a group of maybe not always just celebrity memoirs, but a bunch of like books around the same kind of theme that aren't necessarily going to be it books, but that we can pit against each other. It's good. All right. So maybe you got some gift ideas too for out there. Let's let's do a break and uh, come back and do the knockout round. Today's episode is brought to you by Avid Reader Press. So this next book is a really fun sounding mashup of different genres. There's a little time travel, a little romance, a little spy thriller action going on. So in the near future, a civil servant is offered the salary of her dreams and is shortly afterward told what project she'll be working on. A recently established government ministry is gathering quote unquote expats from across history to establish whether time travel is feasible for the body, but also for the fabric of space time. This is an exquisitely original and feverishly fun fusion of genres and ideas. The Ministry of Time by Colleen Bradley asks, what does it mean to defy history when history is living in your house? Colleen Bradley's answer is a blazing, unforgettable testament to what we owe each other in a changing world. It kind of gives Outlander meets Cloud Atlas or If the Time Traveler's Wife was written by Sally Rooney or Colson Whitehead. Make sure to check out The Ministry of Time by Colleen Bradley. And thanks again to Avid Reader Press for sponsoring this episode. This episode is sponsored by The One That Got Away With Murder by Trish Lundy. Robbie and Trevor Cressmont have enough wealth to ensure they'll never be found guilty of any wrongdoing, even if everyone believes they're behind the deaths of their ex-girlfriends. Let us all take a collective angry sigh at that. Lauren O'Brien, the new girl at school, has a dark past of her own, and she's desperate for a fresh start. Except when she starts a relationship with Robbie, her chance is put in jeopardy. During what's meant to be their last weekend together, Lauren stumbles across evidence that might just implicate Robbie. And after a third death rocks the town, she must decide whether to end things with Robbie or risk becoming another cautionary tale. This is an edge-of-your-seat YA thriller that's perfect for fans of Karen McManus and Holly Jackson. Make sure you pick that up now wherever books are sold. And thank you once again to The One That Got Away With Murder by Trish Lundy for sponsoring today's show. Okay, we're back for the knockout round. Again, these are in random order except for one. I have placed one at the end for reasons. Okay. For reasons. That's how I've decided to do this. Sure. 10 books. Uh, if this is your first time listening to us, we are trying to, Rebecca is trying to select <laughs> with my guidance, uh, constraints, um, uh, protestation, <laughs> what we think the it book of October will be, it book being a nebulous, um, but real category of the book that captures the literary, cultural, sales, imagination and interest of the kind of people who care about, let's be honest here, commercial, upmarket, and above, right? We're not really looking at genre unless they're really 
they have a breakout potential that they really have put when they cross over. Um, which mm-hmm. leads me to the first one, which is let's 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 be honest here. I think I put one in for me here though. With a hundred fifty thousand print run, that's not that's not super <laughs> no, that's niche. That's not Jesse Ball with a twenty thousand print run. Me putting it in there, which I will probably do at one point. Absolutely. But one hundred fifty thousand print run for Jonathan Lethem's Brooklyn crime novel coming out today um, from Echo Books. I think Jonathan Lethem, boy, when well, Motherless Brooklyn into Fortress of Solitude. Again, I'm in my 20s. I'm living in Brooklyn. This is the most important writer, or the, the most important kind of writing and writer I could imagine. Cares about music, cares about pop culture. Um, he also felt like the edgier Jonathan, the Jonathan that actually still <laughs> lives in Brooklyn, yeah. as opposed to moved away or got the big book dealers showing up on Oprah. Um, interesting. Still, we're doing from the best-selling award-winner author of Fortress of Solitude and Motherless Brooklyn. It has been a hot minute. Um, he's written The Arrest. He has written The Feral Detective. Um, and this is Brooklyn crime novel. And I think the title tells you something. This is <laughs> meta. And I mean, you can imagine with Motherless Brooklyn, yeah. which is still a wonderful reading experience. If no one's checked that out, the main character has is neurodivergent. I'm, I'm not sure if we're told or we're meant to imply some level of Tourette syndrome. Again, and and in sort, I'm not sure how that holds up now. Honestly, in reading it, um, in the way we understand disability and, and different kind of neurological and behavioral experiences, Fortress of Solitude is a wonderful book about Brooklyn in the '70s. This is his crime novel. Um, interesting that this is '70s Brooklyn. I think, from my own experience, this will probably be very, very good. Will it be great? I don't know. And also, our boy Colson is also trotting this lane, mm-hmm. which I'm sure might be a tough comp. Um, for for Jonathan here. So that's Brooklyn crime novel by Jonathan Lethem. Lethem, Lethem, right? I think I've told Lethem. Though my brain Lethem. wants to say Lethem. What is your own sense of um, JL's uh, uh, cultural imprint in the reading? World? I am so happy for you. Oh, that this okay. Is All right, thing. we can move along. Thank you very much. But I've never read Lethem, so I can't make a right? full. You didn't even read it's right. Brooklyn. I thought we I talked didn't. about this. No, okay. I think I just missed it. But I'm making a note mm. that we should do a Patreon episode where we revisit Motherless Brooklyn because that sounds yeah. like fun. Um, I love the meta ness of it. The like that makes me more inclined to yeah. dive in to something, um, and and just the tongue in cheekness of calling it, mm-hmm. you know, Brooklyn crime novel. Probably not going to climb very high on this yeah. ranking, but you are not the only person who's excited about this. This is not the nichiest that you get when you get niche. No, 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 no. no <laughs> so, no. yeah, I respect this pick. I think it's right to have it among 10 big yeah. titles for October. Um, just not in my personal power ranking, but I do think it'll be in the conversation. And in fact, it already is in the conversation. I've been seeing some coverage about it already. I just made it so, so. Rebecca. I'm part of, I am part of the conversation. That's right. I we are the media. The Good yeah. job. My tent gets bigger than um, the ninth <laughs> novel of Brooklyn writers people used to care about, but uh, let's move on. And I really, really from here, honestly, it is a murderer's row. Um, I didn't do these in power ranking, but like I did put Brooklyn crime novel 10th because I was like, I don't see what, it's what, not what fair it's, to him doesn't have a chance. Because coming up next, A Man of Two Faces um, by Viet Tan Nguyen, the author of the Pulitzer Prize winning The Sympathizer. Um, mm-hmm. and also that sold a million copies worldwide, by the yeah. way. Um, and that book is going to be turned into a, it is being, it is a TV mm-hmm. series that will be launched this fall. 
HBO Max with three parts played by Robert Downey Jr., which I'm very nervous about. I've seen some of the wig work there. I'm not sure it's successful. I'm not sure how much Downey needs to be centering himself in the story of The Sympathizer. But anyway, this is a memoir. Um, and I don't know, a highly original, blistering, and unconventional, Say No More, that Nguyen is writing it. I am so excited for this. This comes out today. My audiobook queue is groaning. It's it's in pain. It's really, <laughs> it's really season. concerned. It's unbelievably great audiobook season. I feel like a bit on a yeah. drought, but I've got four or five absolute bangers ready to pop off here. Um, a Man of Two Faces. What do you think about this one? I'm super excited about this. Super interesting writer. Probably not going to sell a million copies. Memoirs no, are a little bit tougher if you're not Barbara Streisand. And coming down off the mountain of having sold a million copies worldwide, like almost no one does that. So you're going to regress to the mean. But I bet there will be really interesting stuff in this book to talk yeah. about, like material for great profiles, material for interviews, material for people to like do, you know, NPR segments about. Obviously, this one takes Lethem out, just more current, mm -hmm. a little buzzier. Sold a million copies, won a bunch of awards. Come on. Let's go. Um, this might be my favorite lineup of comps in Edelweiss. Um, Beautiful mm. Country um, by Quinn Wong. Somebody's Daughter by Ashley Ford. Of course, The Sympathizer. Uh -huh. Stay True by Hua Shu. Crying okay. in H Mart. Michelle Zahner, ever heard of it? Um, mm -hmm. Solito by Javier Zamora. That that is those are memoirs, upmarket literary memoirs that you and I will devour yes. with both hands. Yeah. No utensils. We did devour most of those. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if this is anything similar, we are in for it. It'll be great. Okay, this is where the pain begins. Okay. Get ready. It's nothing but painful decisions from here on out. <laughs> I, I knew that that's what this month was yep. gonna be like. I'm ready. Next up, out today, Going Infinite, The Rise and Fall <laughs> of a New Tycoon by Michael Lewis. Wow. <laughs> Listen, you are lucky that I am here today and not just sitting <laughs> on my couch reading the copy of Going Infinite that showed up on my doorstep this morning. Do we Michael think we Lewis have an Good. Go ahead. I was saying, Michael Lewis Day is a holiday in my household. So Audio, print, how are you doing this? I'm doing print because I like to be able to take notes and because we mm. are discussing it and the Vaster Wilds, which are unrelated to each other other than their big books of the season on our Patreon for the Book Riot podcast next Just because we want to. So, That's enough yeah, of a theme. it's our show. This, of course, is Michael Lewis's um, book about crypto, but specifically Sam Bankman-Fried, who is, was behind, is on trial right now for the fall of, oh, I don't know the name of the company, NFX? FTX. FTX. I have to get my... Um, uh, amorphous X included um, <laughs> uh, anagram titles um, going here. He was, he was in situ with, with Sammy boy yeah. when the, when the, I when mean, the fuzz shows up, apparently <laughs> he had been embedded with freed for like a year yeah. on the day that he got arrested. And I remember the New York times reporting on it, like that our souls left our bodies that day <laughs> for you and me mm -hmm. like, Oh my God, Michael Lewis is there and is writing about it. Um, I've read some like light coverage of this. I don't want to spoil myself, yep. but also we all know about Sam Bankman freed now that um, it's not the typical, like, angle that Lewis usually can mm. take of kind of finding an unlikely hero <laughs> in a thing that you can root for. There's nobody, yeah. I don't think there's anybody you can root for here. So I'm really interested in what that's going to be like. Um, I, this one's knocking out yeah. a man of two faces and like Michael Lewis must just be so happy that Freed's trial 
happened to start the you, week. You can't that the draw book it up. You out. cannot draw it up. You can't draw it up. Just great incidental publicity. <laughs> I was thinking once we have this one under our belt, maybe for the paperback release of going into or need some we should do a Michael Lewis dedicated power ranking of the Michael yes. Lewis titles. Have we read both read all of them? I think did you read Flash Boys and Liar's Poker and have you done all of them? <gasps> I don't think I've done those two, but I've done the okay. rest. Those are the well, early ones. That's that's yeah. enough. I mean, it's not like I'll do my homework. Where, we can catch yeah, up. Yeah, you don't have to. I think for books, there's we can be a little more forgiving if we have twelve books that I have to that's read true. all of them. Um, <laughs> we could work on it together. But yeah, Going Infant by Michael Lewis looks fantastic. Um, speaking of dad book gifts, airplane reads. We've got we've got a little twofer here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Next up, coming out at the end of the month, October twenty fourth, also from Viking. Um, <laughs> Well, I'm Viking. I'm thinking of Pinkett Smith. Uh, Lewis famously oh, yeah, okay. is a Norton author. Um, Hidden Potential, The Science of Achieving Grading of Things by one Adam Grant, 304 pages. If you know, you know. I don't think mm-hmm. we're going to be blown away by Adam Grant. I think you and I have both said we felt like maybe we were willing to let the ferry go this time on the <laughs> Adam Grant boat tour. But the science of achieving greater things and hidden potential is catnip for the things you and I are interested in, care about, <laughs> and try to execute in our daily personal and professionalized Rebecca Shinsky. It's Grant V. Lewis. It's sun against sun. It's, oh, it's pizza against coffee. The pain. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is painful. Um, man, I don't even know how to guess about who's going to sell more copies because these are both big airplane. <sighs> Dad books. Um, you want to think for a minute? I'll vamp for you for one second. No, I, I got it. I got it. Okay, you got it. But right. You're vamp anyway. You I do don't it. know why the white cover for the business self help book <laughs> has become the the style of the century. It just is. It the just thing. is. It just is. You have white background and then boldly colored font and I, some sort of vaguely relevant single image in the middle. It's yeah. very strange. I wonder if um, Grant's cover designer is doing, like trying to sort of do a consistent brand for them because Hidden Potential doesn't look all that different from the hardcover art on yeah. Think Again. Kind of same idea. Um, you could line them up on the shelf together. Okay. A new Adam Grant book is excellent and I'm going to read the crap out of it as yep. I know you are going to. Mm-hmm. And it'll like break some new ground, but it's an Adam Grant book. I think I'm going to go with Michael Lewis here. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, okay. I think you're right. Here's the thing. We'll read this Adam Grant book, and in four years, we'll be like, which of the Adam Grant books were that? Right. <laughs> and it'll do the thing that good self-help and business books do, where like there are a couple really yep. useful points that you metabolize and take with you, and everything else in those 300 pages just falls away. But I feel like I'm going to be, hey, did you knowing people about mm. whatever I learn about Sam Bankman-Fried <laughs> yeah. for the next like month. So, and not for nothing, the pleasure of the text matters. Like Lewis is, he he tells stories, oh, and it's just so more fun. fun. It's more fun and more interesting. Lewis is and more a good compelling. hang. He's. A I very, recently learned that mm-hmm. he's married to Tabitha Soren, who was a yeah. DJ on MTV in the '90s. And like that is a dinner party I want to go to. Just the two of them. I am a thousand years old now, and that doesn't seem to be possible because Tabitha Soren and um, <laughs> I can never be as old as anyone. That I that was as old as me, right? If that makes right. sense. I saw someone was posting on Instagram for some reason, like the trailer for Thirty Something. Did did that register oh. with you all as a kid? Uh huh. And those are the oldest people in the world, and I'm a good yes. decade older than all those people <laughs> That's now. Right. Shocking. Oh, I know. It's wild. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that was our. Was that our last? That's four. 
Okay, we have one more nonfiction coming, but we're we're kind of through okay. a little bit of a gauntlet here. We're going to go into the world of literary fiction. Oh, sidebar about prices. Thirty-two dollars mm. hardcovers. Forty-seven hard dollars for Barbara Streisand. Though when you think about it, it's nine hundred pages. Pretty cheap on a per page basis. <laughs> yeah, you um, amortize that. It's all right. You really do. You really do. And then you could use it to, you know, you know, put your car up on instead of you can put up on Streisand rather than putting on blocks <laughs> if you need to change the tires. All right, from Riverhead out next week, October tenth. Family Meal by Brian Washington. I think of the novelist here. This is going to be weird to say. I think he's still a little underknown, still a little yes. punk rock, still a little zini. Mm-hmm. Again, it's a Riverhead title, 75. It's not, but when when we're talking about the kind of books we're talking about at this point, Moyle and Lot are very well regarded and loved. Not many people read those in a real way. They just, just haven't yet, right? They just yeah. haven't read it well. Um, this one is about a guy living in L.A., his partner, the love of his life, dies, and his, the ghost of his partner won't leave the main character alone. Mm. And he goes back to his hometown and kind of does – it sounds like a little bit of a beautiful girl's with the ghost of your long lost your, – your love of your life following you around as you kind of excavate. Um, I am really excited for this. This Me could too. be amazing. 320 pages, bang on Brian Washington. That's right in the zone for a literary novel. <sighs> hard to hard to knock out Michael Lewis at this point yeah, with Brian Washington, is. but it is very very exciting to see. He deserves to be on this list. Definitely one of my it books of the mm-hmm. month. I love Brian Washington, and I agree. I think he's underread, but very deeply appreciated by those who do read him. Um, mm-hmm. By that measure, maybe he should have been a National Book Award finalist this year. Listen, that's a different <laughs> that's a different podcast. <laughs> Oh, wait, I did that uh, one last week on the book, right? Yeah, we've done that one a couple times. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he should be here, but he, it's going to be tough really for any novelist to take out Michael Lewis, but maybe there's somebody who can. Mm-hmm. I think for our literary, I mean, it's Riverhead, so, you know, Riverhead knows what they're doing. Does this have a chance to break out? Maybe, maybe. Mm-hmm. One book that has broken out, because as of today, is a finalist for the National Book Award, even though it's not out yet. That's a different rant. Um, Blackouts by Justin Torres, October 10th, 2023 from FSG, 100K print run. It's been a minute since, um, we've had a Justin Torres (laughs) book. Um, let's see. We the Animals was 2011. Gosh. And Blackouts, was that before or after? Anyway, um, here's the, here's the pitch for this. I'm reading directly from the copy. I haven't read this. Mm -hmm. Out in the desert in a place called the palace, a young man tends to a dying soul, someone he once knew briefly but was haunted the edges of his life. A playful wreck, contour, child lost and found, guardian of the institutionalized, institutionalized, Juan has a project to pass along. Once built around a true artifact uh, of a book, Sex Variants, colon, a study of homosexual patterns and its devastating history. This book contains accounts collected in the early 20th century from queer subjects by a queer... I don't... I'm like, I don't know what this is now. Like, it all sounds interesting, but I don't know what I'm yeah. going to get walking into this. I'm very, very excited for this. It has a striking, minimalist, kind of iconic cover of just black, very, very black with gold text around the edges, a compelling object of a book, a wonderful, exciting, experimental, challenging writer's a writer, 
Hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know, Rebecca. Not sure. Exciting, experimental, and challenging. (laughs) (laughs) Up against something as like, Michael Lewis goes down easy. Yeah. Um, I'm really interested in what the Justin Torres will be. What's the page count on this one? Because we the animals are so short. They're getting a note over there at FSG and Riverhead. My my email found a recipient. Um, (laughs) Yeah. My notes over there. But like three times as long as we the animals was just about, I think. Um, Uh I'm interested in seeing him do like full length novel yeah. work um, but it does sound like this one is experimental you get that like book in a book stuff and some textual analysis mm-hmm. of a book that didn't exist and people trying to take things apart he's a really interesting thinker hard to see this going like capital z zeitgeist but i will to not wins a national book award has a 20 percent chance right now and i hope better than 20 percent chance right. i hope one of those finals has no chance <laughs> We're carrying some flags this month. I mean, listen, either stand for something or you don't. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's hard for it to, even if it wins the National Book Award, like that doesn't move the needle much in the big zeitgeist, but it will, I won't be surprised if it's a literary darling of the year. And if it's... Not it could be fantastic and great and live on for a million. I mean, th- there's yeah, a chance. Yeah, and know? if it's there's a like accessible enough, then it could do well in paperback. As oh, a, it doesn't as feel a that way. Just looking at combo, it, and but it does it not. It does feel like that. It way. does not sound like they're going for accessible discussion fodder. It doesn't feel like Taurus came towards upmarket. <laughs> now we're not going to get a Reese or a read with Jenna situation I, I happening so. here. I don't yeah. think so. Today's episode is brought to you by Song of the Silks Realms by Judy Eyelin. Shi Wei is a talented young musician who was orphaned at a young age. Her sole family is a kindly uncle, but then her uncle is killed, and she is, of course, devastated. With no family and no patron, Shi Wei is facing the possibility of a lifetime of servitude playing the chin. Then one night, she is unexpectedly called to perform for the enigmatic Duke Meng. He surprises Shi Wei further with an irresistible offer. Serve as a musician in residence at his manor for one year, and he'll set her free of her indenture. But the Duke's motives become increased increasingly more sus when he and Shue barely survive an attack by a nightmarish monster. It's like, what, <laughs> what's going on here? So this book is a sweeping epic romanticy that follows a talented young musician who is swept away to the celestial realm by an enigmatic young Duke. And who doesn't want to be swept away to the celestial realm by an enigmatic young Duke? She's living all our dreams, honestly. Make sure to check out the new book. And thanks again to Song of the Six Realms by Judy Eileen for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Underlined. Haven't read a Natasha Preston thriller yet? We dare you to try. She's known for her line of chilling young adult suspense novels like The Cellar and The Fear. The New York Times and USA Today bestselling author excels at putting fear into the hearts of her readers. So her newest book, titled The Dare, is about five friends whose senior prank goes very, very wrong. This is a perfect graduation season read for thriller fans who can handle a good scare. The Dare is now available wherever books are sold. You can learn more about it at getunderlined.com. So again, this young adult thriller is about five friends with a prank that goes wrong. There are dark secrets, a twisty plot, and creepy I know what you did last summer vibes. So if you, you know, it's graduation season, you want to revel in that, but like make it scary. You know what I mean? 
Pick Up the Dare by Natasha Preston. And thanks again to Underline for sponsoring this episode. Okay, moving on. Um, come from Knopf, uh, October 10th, which is turning out to be an extremely big week. 224-page short story collection. Trans- our first work in translation um, that I think I've done on mm. the show. Do you know what this is about to be? No. Roman stories by Jhumpa Lahiri, oh. translated from the Italian by Jhumpa Lahiri and Todd Portnowitz. <laughs> I'm I don't so know what to say about this. For Jhumpa Lahiri. <laughs> she starred review, starred topic. review in Publishers Weekly. Good early buzz. She knows what she's doing when it comes to writing a short story. I will forever be a little confused about this project of writing in Italian and translating it back, but who cares <laughs> right. what I think? I'm interested in what that would have done to the language. Yeah. Like the opening story in Interpreter of Maladies is one of my favorite short stories yeah. in contemporary literature. Um, so I'm very interested in more short stories by her. But like all the stuff around it of written in Italian by her and then translated into English by the same mm-hmm. writer, that's going to take a little for me to get over. I think I'm going to give this one some time and hear other folks weigh in on it before I decide if I'm going in or if I'm just going to like hold my memory. Well, I'll let you know. I will definitely read this. I will okay. read this with uh, with with prejudice. Um, but four, she's not knocking right. out Michael Lewis. So. No, no, no. But what a murderer's row we're in here. These are fascinating titles in the middle. Um, next up, our last nonfiction on the list coming out today. Um, Extremely Online, the untold story of fame, influence, and power on the internet by someone who herself is extremely mm-hmm. online, maybe maybe too much. It takes uh, one to ta- no one, memoir. Taylor, <laughs> Washington Post reporter Taylor Lorenz. Um... Yeah, I think a fascinating double feature with the Lewis about how much crypto and that whole world is an internet story. This is more, and it's maybe a subset of Extremely Online, this of of power and influence on the internet and what that dragon can, where that dragon can take you and then what it can do to you if you get in front of the fire path in front of it. Um, I'm going to be fascinated to see what this, what what Lorenz says with this book. The early returns on it have been good so far. And I think the biggest open question that you and I shared was like, how much of the story will be about Taylor Lawrence and how much will be about the internet writ large. And it seems like she has not inserted herself into it Mm -hmm. too much, um, that the analysis and the stories, like the the big look at what the internet has become and what it has turned us into um, is interesting and sharp. So I'm really looking forward to this. It's still not knocking Michael Lewis out, but I think you're right that this is a subset of, um, or that the Michael Lewis story is a subset of the kinds of stuff she's talking about, but I'm going to stick with my boy, Michael Lewis. I'm I'm not sure. I don't have a sense of the thesis so far. My concern, not my concern, the challenge here is the internet is so big of a topic now that is this going to be generalities with a bunch of anecdotes? Like, how are we doing this? Is it investigative? Is it opinion? Is it cultural criticism? I'm not sure. You could do a million different things. You can go a million different ways. My concern or my reservation is that it sort of tries to do everything and in doing mm. so doesn't do anything particularly well or compellingly. That we would be will the find anti-pattern. out. Um, sometimes they're demeritous pick. Though a starred, a starred review in Publishers Weekly was very, very welcome for me to see. Not that that's, you know, the last word or anything, but I do trust Publishers Weekly, generally speaking, to have a sense of, generally if they find something interesting, I'll at least find it interesting or good. 
Um, because I could imagine that America Fantastica by Tim mm. O'Brien is sort of the last thing he's been working on for a million years, and that can go a lot of different ways. Sure. See can. The Last Chairlift by John Irving, which was also <laughs> 900 pages. We don't speak of that. Yeah. So have you committed most of The Last Chairlift to memory, or are you going to tattoo <laughs> most of it on your body, or how is that it gone? It didn't even darken my doorway, okay. The Last Chairlift. We just left that. We're going to leave John Irving in our Taylor Renz <laughs> needs to do an investigative report on how you turned... Um, on John Irving. <laughs> you know, the same shtick just doesn't last for decades and decades. A brilliant and rollicking odyssey in which a bank robbery by a disgraced journalist sparks a cross-country chase through a nation crowded, corroded by delusion. You know, I mean, okay. Yeah. It's hard to imagine turning on Tim O'Brien because he doesn't write enough books for me to get tired of his thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know when I'm going to get to this one. It doesn't feel urgent to me to pick mm-hmm. this up, but I'm curious about what it will be like. Um, you're right that it can go all kinds of ways when somebody's been working on something for for a long time, or it's maybe the and they're last in their 80s. I mean, right. it's, it's yeah, just hard. It's, and that, I mean, it can go all kinds of ways. Toni Morrison rode into her 80s, and we the were passenger so McCarthy her. went out with a bang, baby. Right? Yeah, James Salter, not yeah. bad there at the end. Um, yeah, not going to knock out Michael Lewis. Yeah. But if this became the big story, you could see it being like really, really big. I would be delighted. Delighted <laughs> if it's awesome. It, Tim O'Brien is so interesting. Yes. This is this is the like one of those like late life memoirs that I would really love to read because the things mm. they carried is so much is is so autobiographical all of those stories, but he makes a big thing about the difference between the story truth and what actually yeah. happened and I like I just want to know what has happened to him in these 80-some years. He's fascinating. All right. And last up, Publishers <laughs> Weekly star, Kirkus star, Library Journal oh. star, mm-hmm. um, book page star. <laughs> anticipated, the most anticipated book on my analysis of anticipated books of the fall mm-hmm. that I did for the deep dive, link in the show notes. The comps are the Underground <laughs> Railroad. The comps are beloved it is the two-time pulitzer uh, national book award winner the youngest winner ever of the library congress prize for fiction anna macarthur fellow it is let us descend by jesmyn ward in which she takes inspiration from dante's inferno (laughs) to lead us through the american south during slavery let's shut it down let's go I mean, she did some Odyssey stuff and Sing Unburied Sing, and now we're going to Dante. Uh, Obviously, this is the winner this month. New Jesmine Ward Day is a big day. And you heard it here first, folks. This book was supposed to come out today on October 3rd. And somewhere. Rebecca, you you Michael Lewis did. You Michael Michael Lewis did book picks. Tell us. I know. And somewhere in the last couple of months. Yeah. The publication date got moved to October 24th, and there were not big announcements about this because, like, usually if a big book gets a shift in the date, you get, like, press releases and stuff. I did not see any of these. Mm -hmm. Only one figure can (laughs) move. Only one figure. Can move. (laughs) A Jesmine Ward book. A Jesmine Ward title, like a shift in the night. Yes. And here is what else I know. I know that Oprah's current coverage of her pick Wellness by Nathan Hill ends on October 21st, which is three convenient days Mm -hmm. before the new Jesmine Ward book comes out. This is going to be the October Oprah pick. Not like Jesmine Ward needs any help, but you got comps like Toni Morrison Oprah's going to talk about you. Yeah. 
Yes. This is this it. This is it. This is it. Also, 320 pages on Beautiful. the dot. It's going to be a good afternoon. I'm glad that I'm not spending today being torn between Jesmyn Ward and Michael Lewis. But October 24th is going to be a tough one. Yeah, I was confused because um, when we did our fall draft, it was still October 3rd. Mm-hmm. And I had in my spreadsheet October 3rd, and I saw in Edelweiss when I went to go just brush up yeah. and make sure I had all my ducks on the 24th. I was like, did I type this wrong? And then I saw that, yep, it has indeed been moved. Um, you know, a, a modern titan. Um, I did for I did for uh, paid subscribers today in books a quick um, – r- the odds that American writers will have odds to win the <laughs> Nobel Prize at some point. And – I didn't include Ward because she's still too young. I mean, it's just she's like what's it? What's his name? Um, John Cazale, who was in five movies and they all won Best Picture. That's what Ward right. is doing right now. I don't know how long you can hold this up, but you don't have to do very many more. And she's still very young. I mean, she's not even. I think she's younger than I am, and I am, you know, sixteen um, at this point. So it's hard to get more decorated than Ward. I think you and I are both so surprised. Not to see the Ward and the Groff amongst so the end-of-year prize list. Now, the Pulitzer, they could come off the top rope, and one of it could win, and the other one could be a finalist. And the, mm-hmm. with the National Book Critics Circle, the Penn Pen Award. like, But the National Book Award and Bookers, like, it's, I don't know. We haven't read this book, but we did read the Groff. What a wonderful pick from us um, yes. about the Groff. Yes. Mm-hmm. Really feeling good about that right now. But let us decide. Sometimes we're good at our jobs. Well, sometimes we know what's happening. I mean, come on. <laughs> betting on Lauren Groff. I mean, geez. Right. It's like it's like we get the whole – it's like you only had to bet on not the green on roulette. Like it gets a little easier. Yeah, <laughs> exciting And yet, the National Book Awards nominated her for everything except the Master Wilds. And apparently this other Eden is it. the masterwork of our time, which – that's it is not um it's whatever so there we go the it books of october i put word at the end i think november we can we can squeak out an episode december we're going to think of something else here's my thought email me if you like this idea um first edition at bookriot.com we go back and we retroactively i'll retroactively give us some candidates for the months we didn't do but then we do the it book of the year by looking at but we can only pick from our it book selections okay okay I'm and down. I think we'll we have to we have to color in February, January, February, and March. I think our April was the first one. Yeah, we, and then we I did. I think maybe we do a little uh, you know after game analysis of yeah what do we, we missed what we miss how do we do yeah so but there I'm we feeling go real good about how we did September and October it's going to be hard to beat Jasmine Ward so we're we're good right now <laughs> very very tough to beat Rebecca thank you as always you can follow first edition on Twitter on Instagram I'm not sure how much longer I'm even going to be paying attention to X Twitter it's feeling gross and I'm bad at it I'm bad at all social media um, really but. Um, yeah, you can check it out there. If you'd like to leave us a review, leave the show review. You know, we're the hosts. It's not reviewing us personally, though. That's parasocial relationships for you. Apple Podcasts, that really helps the show. Uh, also, feedback. If you like the Celebrity Book Knockout, we've got other ideas for many um, events. The, uh, the, the What do they call that? The, um, the warm-up card? The undercard. Undercard? Mm. Is that what they call it in boxing? I can't remember. Something I, to do you with You are barking up the wrong tree yeah. for that you, one. You're not, you're not in on the bare knuckle champion of 1918? You, didn't, you don't Just know what so that you're is? You're going to be shocked, Jeff. I'm really. Um, Rebecca will be leading us in a knockout round of knockout <laughs> books about boxing um, next time. Thank you all so much for listening. Happy reading. Rebecca will talk to you later.